mornings a week, we meet before breakfast for an early morning run. We spend most of our time planning and reflecting on what's happening in our classrooms. This has become our favorite professional development. So we figured, why not share these moments with you? Welcome to Math Before Breakfast. This is episode 53. I'm Tracy Prophet. I'm Ruth Urquiaga. And I'm Jay Prophet. And we are going to talk about finding rich tasks. Yes. Yeah, right? <laughs> I feel the same way. Um, and also about professional development, I would say, right? Transfer of ideas and professional development. And just whatever else comes up this morning. Right? <laughs> Who um, knows? We're in, that, we're in that stage, let's just be honest, where we're, you know, we've come back around to where we were last year and we're trying hard not to have the same conversations, even though on our runs, we really do have the same conversations. Because like, what we did last year isn't the very best. Yeah. And so you still want to change it. Yeah. But we want to make sure we don't have like 27 episodes about multiplying and dividing decimals. So <laughs> Wait, we don't have that already? Um, we might. <laughs> we're getting close. <laughs> so it'll, it'll probably come up today. Um, but we're, you know, we're trying to just sort of take Think about some of the broader things that we do as teachers and and just sort of explore them. So that's where we are so today. So if you are listening and you are thinking, wow, I wish Ruth and Tracy would really unpack this or really talk about this, leave us a comment. Yeah. Because shout out to Adina. We're yeah. going to use your questions that you ask us to create this episode. Exactly. Way to go, Adina. Yeah. Uh, she was on the ball last night. All right. <laughs> so first I have to... to um, mention the global math project which is a have you ever watched anything from them i have not have you seen like do you get their emails okay (laughs) okay well um my best understanding is that it's just a group of people who puts out regular i think maybe once a week professional development where people go in and they do a presentation online and you can you can sign up to watch it live but then they also post it um afterwards and you can listen to it as a podcast or you can watch it online um and what i see is free it might become a certain point that you have to like pay for it i don't really know but everything i've ever tried to watch is free on there and i feel like they have really good people that present so i was watching one recently or listening to it actually as a podcast um called the uh oh shoot i need to get back to the beginning of it the era of resource, hold on. The era of resource abundance, and it was by Hillary Kreisberg, and she was just talking about what do you do about the fact that there's so much out there to look through, and it can be overwhelming. Um, she talked about this really interesting study, y'all, where at a store, um, like at a grocery store, they had sampling, you know, like you do at Sam's Club or Costco or whatever, and uh, not like. Mathematic sampling. Nope. Like, nope. Nope. Like, like tasty sampling. Yeah. And it was about jam. And jam. and it was about like one hour they had six choices of available and one hour they had like twenty more plus choices available. But there are twenty types of jam? Yeah. Yeah, there are. Wow. Um, and it turns out that more people I'm sort of giving away her her, you know, like whatever her excitement because she sort of strung it along for a while like what do you think what do you think but um the more people stopped to taste the jam when there were 20 some choices but more people bought the jam from the sixth table 
So it was like, you know, that she said, why, you know, why do you think it is that way? And it was sort of that maybe decision fatigue or hmm. like, you're not really sure because you haven't tried them all. You know, it's this pressure of like not trying all of them. Imagine if your dad had walked up and there were 20, 20 flavors of jam. I know. Well, and, and your dad liked jam. Yeah. There's that important you know, fact. How just like having 20 choices to choose from. Yeah. You know, he is, he is somebody that, that struggles with making decisions when there's a bunch of choices. And he, I mean, a lot of people are, but imagine like some people would be just crippled yeah. by 20 choices. Like, I, got, I can't do it. Yeah. So when it comes to teachers, you know, we have that now, right? There are just so many places to get ideas and we can become inefficient and become tired at the looking or at just spend hours. Yeah. I mean, when I first started teaching and it was time to teach subtraction with regrouping, you opened up your teacher textbook mm -hmm. and you could choose from the teacher resource book or the practice book or, you know, something else, or you had some creative thing that just popped into your head. Yeah. It, I mean, I don't ever remember like just saying, how do I teach this on the internet? Yeah. And now 25 years into teaching. That's what you do. I'm like, I don't know. think I know how to teach this. What, you know? Yeah. What does the internet say? Exactly. Like yeah. I just, scientific notation is a new objective and that's coming up after break. Mm -hmm. Well, I know what scientific notation is, but. Am I going to do a disservice to my kids if I teach it the wrong way? I better yeah. research. And five and a half hours later on a Sunday, I don't even know what I'm doing one day. Yeah. Did you really research, re I research have. that last night? Yeah. I mean, yeah. You just – you get completely overwhelmed and so – Especially because that's one you haven't taught before. When your standards all got jumbled, this is a new one for right. you. Right. And, you know, what do they need to know in sixth grade and – Yeah. So yeah. I totally am in this boat of where do I go to get this and how do I know this is quality? And then I was just reading that, um, I don't know, a quote that I totally am going to misquote, but it was like the most demanding task often become less demanding when they're being taught mm -hmm. because <laughs> teachers don't let the kids do enough of struggling. Yeah. And man, I am right there in the classroom. Could you please just, like, discover it? Look yeah. at it. It's right there. <laughs> yeah. Let yeah. me just, like, nonchalantly point to it. <laughs> yeah, right here. So I would I would strongly suggest, if this is you, if you're feeling this whole decision fatigue and overabundance of resources, check out the that um, podcast or video from Hillary Kreisberg on the Global Math Department. I admit I haven't watched through the whole thing, so but I it I I listen to those kinds of things on my way to work, and this is one that I'm going to come back to and finish. Um, so I think it's important though to mention that if we are looking specifically for rich tasks, um, if you haven't read through the Van de Waal. Um, and friends. <laughs> Hold on. Vandewall, Vandewall, et al. Carp and Bay Williams. I try, y'all. I try. Um, book to remind yourself how what their definition of a rich task is. You should look through that again to remind yourself because we get a little like lost in that, right? So I'll just briefly um, run over that. That, and I'll have to say, my friend Holly, she's forever pointing me back to the Vanderwall book, and I'm thankful for her for that. Like, I'll ask her something, she's like, Well, the Vanderwall book has blah blah blah. So, 
um, I'm pointing you back there because that's thanks, what Holly. Holly does. Yeah, thanks, Holly. Um, says high levels of cognitive demand, multiple entry and exit points. And it has a good um, like table that helps you decide whether what you're doing is a high level of cognitive demand or not. Like, is it just a memorization task? Is it a procedure with without connection, a procedure with connection task, or a doing mathematics task? So there's like a table to help you figure out its level of cognitive demand. A relative context, and then... Yeah, that's it. And then there is a good um, task evaluation and selection guide that I think is helpful also there. And I will put um, a link to that, those few pages on our website. Um, but I will also say that in the in the podcast I was listening to, she sort of took, it was cool, she took several different um, like rubrics like this and made her own based on what she was looking for. And so she was sort of talking through her um, rubric that she used to choose. Tasks. So I think that's, I mean, what did I listen to like 30 seconds of it upstairs, yeah. but it's so important to know what you're looking for. And so that's maybe why I've backed away from scientific notation because I need to, oh. as an educator, know what the objective is, hmm. not just, Oh, look at this cool activity. And maybe I can, wrangle the objective in there. You know, if (laughs) I understand exactly what I'm supposed to teach, then I can look specifically for that in the task. And if that's my goal, then that's what I should focus on. Um, So you really have to unpack the standard first. Yeah. Which is, uh, yeah. Which is like, which is how this should work, right? Right. The conversation I'm, I feel like I'm having all the time at, with teams, especially new teams at school that, want to jump straight into how do I teach it? And I'm like, back up. We got to know what it, what you the know standard what you're teaching says. first. Yeah. And you have to understand, you have to understand it first. And yeah, even I'm, you I'm have right to understand what you're teaching. You'd really do first inside Dang. and out. I feel like before you can jump into what the task or the activity or the lesson or any of that's going to look like. Yeah. So, um, Hillary Kreisberg talked about, Limiting one of the ways you can help yourself out is by limiting the number of places that you are going to look for your for your tasks or for your materials or whatever. Um, did she say? Didn't she say four to six? No, she said yes. So um, I think you know having having a couple of places where you feel like you almost always get something useful helps you know and you know how it works you know how to search there well um so we thought we would share some of ours right right the ones that i haven't found anything for scientific okay (laughs) well there you go but when i unpack the standard unless you're looking for scientific notation in that case we or unless you really don't know what you're looking for you know like yeah let me just see what's out there that was the approach i took and that is the a bad approach yeah well, so so since we didn't have much luck with scientific notation, why don't we approach it with Adina's question, okay. right? Okay. So let's sidetrack for just a second. She asked us, any suggestions for good tasks for fifth grade whole number division? That's the question that she sent me. And I sent back, um, you, we both, was yours about, yours was about division two. So mine was in episode five, you talked about a division worksheet you gave to your students who had shown mastery of division. Can you share that? Well, I'm going to look in my notebook at school because I can't find it 
on my computer. It was something you made? No, it was something I found and printed and talked about. And I can totally see it in my head. It was like long division and it had like a little question mark. And the question mark was in the quotient and in the division down here and in the divisor. And then there was a little asterisk. And the kids had to figure out which digits one to nine. Yeah, but I couldn't find it on Enrich. You're right. It did sound like that. Um, So I'm going to look at school. But anyways, let's. All right. So my I wrote back um, that I really liked the leftovers with 100 game um, that I'm assuming I got first from Marilyn Burns. So that's what I linked. I sent her the link and I'll share that on the show notes. But um, it's just one of my favorite games to play with division. I'll quickly explain it. I think we've probably talked about it before. Does it sound familiar to you? Um. I know. Okay. <laughs> All right. You looking at me like you had something to say there. Um, I was I was looking because I was interested in this game. Okay. So about. with Leftovers with 100, you start with 100. Oh, I've heard that. No, I'm not. <laughs> you are full of yourself. You start with 100. It's your dividend. The first person goes and they pick a divisor and you can decide how big you want the divisor. I like through 20 if you're working with two digit numbers and you pick a divisor, you divide 100 by that number that you pick, 1 through 20, and your left, your remainder are your points. So you're trying to get the biggest remainder each time. So picking 20 would not be a good choice. Correct. That'd be a pretty okay. terrible choice. And lots of kids go with that first. <laughs> um, and so like picking 19, wouldn't the remainder be 5, right? So that's a not great but not terrible choice. Um because there'd be five left over, okay. right? Yeah. I'm just trying to do the mental math. Mental division. Is well, I was thinking about like it. multiplication instead, because you would get 19 times five would be 95. I was thinking about it, gotcha. like how close I could get to, two, you know, starting at 20 times five and bumping it down. Boom. Um, all right. So then you subtract the 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 leftover. So let's say we had picked 19, okay? You subtract the the remainder from the dividend, so now you're at 95, and you do it again. The next person goes, and they divide into 95, and then they get their remainder. Mm. And so the dividend keeps changing. So and, it's not always just dividing by 100. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And 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 I know. It's pretty cool. Um, That's not what my who was about. I think it's fun. <laughs> what? Like, I could, after my second step, I'm like, I'm out. Yeah. Got, don't got it. Well, it, it forces them to think about divisibility rules. I mean, we're thinking it's pretty hard when you're going up to 20. If you're only going to use up to um, 10 as your divisor, you can do a lot more mentally, you know. Um, and we're just sitting here talking about it. If it was on paper in front of you. And yeah. you're giant math nerds. You could totally do it with I us. I love you, Jay Profit. <laughs> Yes, we are. Okay. So I sent her that. Um, I like how oftentimes on um, that Marilyn Burns will put out a task or a game or a book or whatever and then ex- and then kind of walk you through the process of teaching it in her class and or in a class. So that's what th- um, this link is that I'll share. So in my – when she asked me, I couldn't find what she was looking for, but I found on Enrich – um, a game called Remainders, and you can play with each other or you can play with a computer, but you think of a number between 1 and 100, and you have, if you can guess the number in less than 12 clues, then um, you get so many points, and the computer gives you those points. And so the whole idea is that if I'm thinking of a number between 1 and 100 and you say, Okay, divide it by 
9. Well, the computer would divide it by 9 and just tell you the remainder. So now you have a sheet of numbers 1 to 100, and if the remainder is 4, what numbers could it be? What numbers could it not be? And you look at what's left and are able to choose the number. Did I not explain that while you're looking no, at me? No, I like... just kind of want to play. It sounds oh. fun. <laughs> um, All right, guys. We'll be back to the podcast in just a minute. We're going to go play a game. So wait. Tell me again. Are If we're playing against each other, are we playing against each other or against the computer? No, this is us playing against the computer. I thought of a number between 1 and 100. Can you work out what it is? And so I'm going to say divide it by 9, and it tells me the remainder is 6. And if I can put the number in this box right now... So so then you would look for every multiple of nine and add six to it. Right. And this modulator. Ooh, modulator. That's a fancy word. So divide <laughs> the unknown number by nine. What? The remainder happened? is all the numbers are moving. Six. It made them in multiples of nine. And so now these are the numbers that I can choose from. Well, that was too easy. That feels like cheating right there. Well, if you're in fourth grade and not a math nerd like Jason, <laughs> then this is still a little bit challenging. Okay. okay. Right? Because now you're going to look at it and say, what could I divide it by? I want to see them, them, right? them things move again. Y'all, this is cool. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to stop the podcast right now and go to Enrich and look up the remainders game. And that oh. I liked that. It totally You're just... not on the right. That's the wrong thing. Okay. So that all that to say that Enrich really is a great place to get tasks mm-hmm. or to get ideas. It's the letter N and then Rich. And we know that it is from the UK. Is that right? Um, it's not It's mm-hmm. not, It's not. not an American website. So it's sometimes... called enrich.maths.org. So yeah. 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 Um, so, so oftentimes it'll be, you know, not... Um, dollars and cents or part of the University of Cambridge. Okay. Awesome. But oh, it's wait. What? I just saw that they choose their favorite task for a Christmas countdown. And they have an advent calendar that's published on Wednesday, December one. Hmm. So you go to their website and see their favorite task. Well that's cool. Yeah. All right. Well there you go. I'm totally signing up to Okay, good. Do Advent with math. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. That's right up your alley there, Ruth. Okay. So that's number one. Um our I I need to put a plug in for the VDOE, the Virginia Department of Education. Um, they have created a it's a, it's a start of a place for rich tasks. Have did you look at it this I weekend? I have them all downloaded, ready to okay, print. Okay, awesome. Yes. So a team of teachers from around the state got together and they created tasks to go specifically with our standards, and then they went out and tried them in their classrooms and came back and like you know had these iterations of tasks. What's cool about it is that they have student. Um, work samples available that you can look at. They've done a lot of the unpacking and the anticipating. Um, and so I would, we're going to put a link to it, but I, you can just search VDOE rich tasks and you'll find the website. Um, tell us what grades since you're looking at it, what grade levels does it go from? It goes from kindergarten to eighth grade and then algebra one geometry and algebra two. Awesome. Um, and I, I just really like what I've seen so far, and they are getting close to um, er, publishing, I guess, the second set. There's a a second one coming for each grade level. Right now, it's like one or two per grade level, 
and then they're getting ready to to create the team of people that are going to create the third round. Um, so yeah, check those out. You know, there's only a couple, so you're going to have to try to, which is a good thing because if you know that these are good and they have this kind of research behind them, then you pick, I mean, granted it would have to be what you're teaching, right? You can't just, which I have to say, I'm, I'm using, we're using one of them, the fourth grade one for the lesson study that we're doing about adding fractions and it's about paint about um, adding different amounts of paint together. Um, a f- Do you have another one you want to share? You want me to tell my next one? Um, so the... Oh, we said we were going to look for Ooh. Adina's question. What is that, JJ? I just lost the remainders game, y'all. Oh, like you didn't win? Like I didn't win. Oh. But I also didn't quite understand what I was doing. <laughs> so productive struggle, maybe? Did you use yeah. the modulator to help you? Yes. <laughs> so you cheated and you still got Wait, That's not cheating, Tracy. It's there. It's part of the... I didn't keep using it. Like after a while, I was just guessing. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Well, you need to think about some strategy and... You know what? I think I'm okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, We said we were going to look up Adina's question as we went. Are we, okay. are we not going to? We, sh- we should... Well... We'll come back to it. Let me share my other Sorry, one. Sorry, Dina. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we might answer your question. We may get back to you at some point, Adina. Um, it may be next week. Yeah, right? So the Virginia- 53 will be called no, Back not- to Adina. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We have just... Wow. Um, a f- another teacher was like, hey, I found all this cool stuff on the Georgia Department of Education website. And so she sent me there. Jay's already making fun of me because I made a mistake this morning and called it the... G-V-D-O-E or Georgia V-D-O-E because I forget that Virginia is in the name of ours. Okay. Anyway, um, I found a lot of cool stuff there. So it, it's at georgiastandards.org. Um, and you have to kind of poke around. But once I got to what they call – oh, come on, Tracy. Their fra- content area frameworks. Once I got there – clicked on math and I'll put the link straight to it so you don't have to poke around as far as I did and then K5 then you can go in on the right hand side so it's I'm at the mathematics Georgia standards of excellence K5 there's by grade level and then each one of those is by unit and when you open it it's a PDF document that seems to have a lot of cool tasks and they kind of break them down by um, what kind of task um, let me open one no one, I feel like no one's really paying attention over here in this room. <laughs> I am clicking are you on the following exact me? same list oh, that you okay, are. Okay, great. So they... <laughs> I, on the other hand, am not. <laughs> um, oh, it has the content in the beginning. Hold on. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we took a little scrolling break so you weren't listening to us um, poke around and not have an idea to share. First of all, I want to say that at the beginning of each of these documents that they have, um, these framework documents, they talk about different types of tasks, which I think is an interesting thing to look at. Scaffolding tasks, constructing tasks, practice tasks, um, three-act tasks, just all different kinds. I think that's a 
cool thing that how they've delineated the types of tasks. So I was looking for about answering Adina's question, and they do have several in this fourth grade document that are about um, division. And one that I like is called Brain Only, and um, you're given one statement, 1,240 divided by 4 equals 310, and it says, be able to explain the relationship of each problem to the one above. So you have a bunch of different other statements, um, and you have to tell kind of like how you could solve it or how you would know the answer using that other problem. So... This one has 1,240 divided by 8 instead of divided by 4. And you'd have to think about how that changed to the um, quotient. So I think this is a cool place to start. It's kind of like a number string sort of, um, but you would do it in writing. So there's other things here to explore, but I feel like this is really well done. I like this document. Right. Okay, what did you find? So NZ Maths has come up before. It's not on our list of places to search, but I know I've been there before. Okay. And this particular task was adapted from NZ Maths and it incorporates a book. It's called, um, Beyond a Million. And pretty much the premise is the students play a game called Powers of Ten Yahtzee. Um, And your base is always 10. You're playing. You're trying to get the largest number. And the idea is that they will discover that you can add the exponents to figure out what number you've created. So if I roll a 10 to the – if I roll a 2, then that's 10 to the second, which is 100. And then I roll a 5, that's 10 to the fifth, which is (laughs) 100,000. Okay. And so then I – I forget what it says. Continue taking turns until you've had five turns. At that point, players find the sum of their answers and the players with the greatest sum wins. So then they give you a question of what did you notice? What can you do with those exponents? And the student is discovering those exponent rules Cool through gameplay. All right. So if you haven't checked out Georgia's documents, check them out. There's a lot there. Right. It's good. Um... Check them out. Did we answer our initial question we set out to talk about, which is where I don't to know, find Adina, it? Did we answer your question? Yeah, <laughs> let us know. <laughs> Two weeks later, um, which was where to find where to go when you're looking for rich tasks, and we've right. given some ideas. So we've said the Virginia Department of Education. Mm-hmm. We said the Georgia Department of Education, mm-hmm. and then we mentioned Enrich. Yeah, and we got a plug. I mean, I always my first place is Twitter. Yeah, and I go to Mitt Boss and type in what I'm looking for. And and when you say go to Mitt Boss, what, you, what she means is you click on the search, like at the top, mm-hmm. in the right, you click in, into the search bar and type hashtag MTBOS and then put in what you're looking for, right? Correct. And you will very often find someone's blog that is part of the math teacher Twitter's blogosphere mm-hmm. and... They have really good stuff. I mean, it's not always – I don't always find something there, but yeah. Or what happens for me more often is somebody has asked the exact same question that you're asking. And so what you find is someone's question of, hey, Mitt Boss, who has an idea for this? And then there's five or six people underneath that have answered the question that you're looking for. Yeah. 
So that's worth a try. Did you get, did you already search scientific notation? So I did. And that is where I found a video from 1977. (laughs) Nice. Called The Powers of 10. But it is a really cool video. It's, um, I think he was a scientist, not even necessarily a mathematician who started with these two people in a park and he just kept zooming out until he got to 10 to the 26th power. And then he came back and he zoomed until he got 10 to the negative 14th power. And he just gives you one little sentence about something that is base 10 as he goes through the video it's 10 minutes long and sounds like some jay prophet would like yeah my students watched it twice I watched it last week oh okay cool she, yeah. she, she showed it to me last week before yeah. we started cool i didn't get all the way to the end so i don't don't spoil it for me okay <laughs> okay <laughs> awesome um so another thing well if you have tasks if you have places that are your favorite places to go for tasks and you routine, routinely find something, hit, hit us up and let us know. Right. Uh-huh. And I mean, come on. I Maybe we've mentioned – I know we've mentioned it before, but um, Graham Fletcher at G. Fletchy has mm-hmm. done an amazing job with three-act tasks. Sure. Keeping them organized so that you don't have to just – search endlessly mm-hmm. through, mm-hmm. you know, what's this penny one and what's this apple one? He's yeah. sorted them by objectives and yeah, standards. Yeah, that's really helpful. So that's, we can link his go, Excel spreadsheet there too. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about was the fact that my week last week was not full of a lot of math. Um, we had a literacy consultant come in and do some, like, coaching and modeling and teaching kind of thing at our building and I just wanted to sort of reflect on the fact that I learned I learned a lot. Um, it's been, you know, how long? Eight years since I've taught reading. And first of all, I don't think I – well, let's, let's step back and say everybody teaches reading, right? But – and I know that. Um, but since I've been a reading teacher um, and – I don't think I started off with a whole lot of content knowledge about teaching reading. Like, there's a whole lot I didn't know. I just kind of went into it blindly, I guess. This year or eight or back when you started? You know, eight years ago. You know, I kind of was making it up as I went along. I didn't have a lot of the the amount that I know about teaching math, what didn't even come close to that in reading, you know? Um, And so then it's been this very long time since I've taught it. And so I was just learning a lot from listening to her talk and watching her teach. I got to see her teach four times in different grade levels. And um, I left certainly knowing more about reading, but I also left with some a couple of things that I'm like, oh, I could apply that in math. We know they're not the same. And I, and I did spend some time thinking about how math and like teaching math and teaching reading are very different just because of the subject. Like math, every single thing builds on each other very concretely. It feels like, you know, you can't, you can't multiply and divide decimals unless you can multiply and divide whole numbers, you Mm know? Um, And you have to know what a decimal is. Like there's just this obvious progression. Um, But in reading, it's so, cyclical like we're yes we're we're learning like our reading level is going up but they just come back and back and back again to main idea and author's purpose and like summarizing and you know 
point of view and like just over and over and over you do the same things but you're the the text level of what you're reading is going up and then the thinking is going up a little bit I don't know that struck me of how different they are and how it feels like there's very much this path that you have to get through in math but it doesn't necessarily feel like it feels like you're just expanding it in in reading does that make any sense Mm -hmm. um so one of the things that she did was she would teach a mini lesson, let's say about um, – in fifth grade, I watched her teach a mini lesson about conflict and resolution, which is something you would talk about all the way back in second grade, right? Mm-hmm. Or, for, or, you know, even – I don't know when you would start talking about that, but conflict and resolution. and But she talked specifically about internal conflict and external conflict, how you'd have an external conflict like with your mom or whatever, but you'd have an internal conflict like, should I do this or should I do this, you know? And then her her structure of her reading lesson was to go – she teaches this mini lesson. It's very direct instruction, very much modeling it, like almost no questions, which is almost no questions that she was asking them. Mm. There were some, but at the beginning of her lesson – she she just was very much thinking aloud and modeling everything, which felt very different from how we're teaching math a lot of times. Right. Um, and then she was using the I do, we do, you do structure, right? Which, yeah. Um, so there'd become a point where she'd have them like do it together in the le- in the mini lesson. And then she would say, okay, now it's your turn to do it. And they would go to their seats and they were to have their own book that they chose to read on their reading level. She called it her just right book. And then they were to try to apply what was in the mini lesson into their independent reading time. And so she'd say, okay, I want you to go and look for the internal or an external conflict in whatever fiction book you're reading right now and take a sticky note. And when you find it, mark it with the sticky note and and write a little note on it. And while they were having quite silent reading time, she would sit down with, you know, aim to sit down with two or three or four kids during that time and have like a, a conference with them. Um, Apparently, this is like common knowledge that something you should do in reading, but I had no idea. I've never had a reading conference with one-on-one with a kid in their independent reading book. Um, And that was the piece that I was like, hmm, maybe there's a way that that could be applied in in math. You know, like imagine that it's task time and we all are starting the task instead of jumping around and monitoring – behavior like we've said before sit down and listen to the math that they're doing and watch the math and ask questions you don't want to interfere too much with their process you know but I saw what she was able to glean from like three to five minutes of one-on-one time with a kid about their ability as a reader and it made me think about what would that look like in a math class like having conferences with kids one-on-one and what if you were able to have that conference and you had strategically chosen the students that you would choose first because the starting of the task seems daunting. So if they could come to you and you could ask them to verbalize what they might try first, Mm -hmm. then they have that little bit of confidence because let's be honest, sometimes kids just sit and look at it 
and don't even really know where to start or they're Mm -hmm. completely just dependent on the person beside them, even if they're not working in groups. Well, what's he doing? I'm going to try that. And so I'm thinking about the open middle that Mm -hmm. I did that the task was create the largest number you can create. Yeah. Well, some kids were just like they just wrote one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight down mm-hmm. the page. But if I could have had that conference and said, what do you think will change the value of a number, mm-hmm. the value of each digit? Well, how could you do that? Why don't you go try? That's not even three to five minutes. Yeah. That's just like a place to start. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it it wasn't meant to be only an assessment. There were times mm-hmm. where she'd come upon something and she was like, oh, I see a hole in their in their ability. Right here, I'm going to give this one little kid his own little mini lesson. And she would practice like fluency or practice looking. I don't even know what the skills were that she was doing, but kind of like you were saying, she was, she was doing instructing once she got to a point where she realized I needed something. So it's left me thinking about how to apply that in reading. Which is going to give you something to think about for professional development as I go in today to two full days of no students and only professional development. Yeah. That I could jump on the, why do we have to be here? This doesn't have anything to do with math. Bandwagon of, you know, how can I get to the shortest place or which conference can I go to that is going to be short and let me out early or really go in with the attitude of I'm going to take away something. Mm -hmm. You know, it may not be everything and it doesn't even have to be the best conference. But if I go in with the attitude of I am someone who needs to learn. Yeah. I can learn something from anyone. I mean, really, even if you just learn, I will never do that in my classroom. <laughs> yeah. And this is why. Yeah. That can still be your takeaway, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I feel like every time I go, I take away. Holy cow. We make our kids sit a long time oh, every yeah. day. Yeah. What not to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to bring up this that I should have already read, but I haven't. Um, on the Stenhouse website, there I've been seeing on Twitter that there is a ex excerpt. Did I say that word? Excerpt. Excerpt from the book Math Exchanges: Guiding Young Mathematicians in Small Group Meetings. That I think is probably going to give more information about this, like com- small conversations with kids about their math. That I really um, over Thanksgiving. I'm I'm gonna I'm telling myself and you that I'm gonna read it <laughs> because I think it's going to be about this very idea. So, hmm. um, do you read the math. excerpt or you have the book? Um, I don't have the book, but I'm going to read the ex- excerpt. I can't say that word. Wow. Um, what? You make it saying wow, but I can't say that word. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I think it's, I'm going to learn more. I'm, I'm more interested to learn okay. about that. Okay. I will be glad to hear you. Okay, Next time you great. just say snippet. Okay. Or section. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> make it fun of me now. No, I'm trying to help you now. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Snippet. The other thing that I took away from my, two days with a literacy consultant was just a reminder that you don't need to 
to have a reminder to have high expectations for our students. Hmm. When she walked in and was like, I'm going to teach about internal and external conflict. I was like, whoa, this is going to be hard. Are you like in my brain? I'm like, are you sure? And they got it. You know, they were maybe not every kid in the whole room, but that wasn't the point of that. Um, And and don't we do that? Don't we like say, okay, we're going to teach this, but they're not going to get that. Let's just pass over it you know let's just color the sheet yeah yeah like we we have low expectations in sometimes in what we choose for them um and even just the vocabulary of that internal and external conflict yeah i totally could see myself as a reading teacher like changing those words and not using the word conflict because they might not understand it so yeah that's so my my like flip to the other side math you know thing that was equal to that was the whole having and doubling i've been working with the same students that she was working with on strategies for multiplication and i've been like holding that back like oh that's hard to explain how it's hard to teach it like i think they can do it but it's hard to figure out how to teach it and uh, how do we uh, how do we do it and i was like no they they can use that just like anybody else can and mm-hmm. don't be afraid to give it to them why hold it back it's an it's an equity issue right when you when you feel like you're the keeper of what they can handle and what they can't so i left like the very next day i went to their teacher and i was like look you got we got to do this next we got to do it we can't be afraid of sharing this with them because it's we think it's hard they can handle it so i don't know that she's done it yet but she was like yeah i like that i like that you're right and so did you create the arrays that show having a doubling? Um, no, but just like you, you, you we, we spent this run talking about number strings and I, mine was about having and doubling and yours was about dividing by decimals, mm-hmm. right? We're, we will share them when we're ready. We have a week of Thanksgiving to yeah. do it. Um, but we both came up with what we were going to do about that and we'll share it probably by the time this this episode comes out maybe <laughs> i hope so yeah. yeah i have guests for thanksgiving and i've never had guests for thanksgiving oh, like yeah. my future daughter-in-law is staying and we yeah. have a missionary from haiti yeah. and our neighbors coming yeah. and mike just invited the guy that was walking down the street that he sees every night really yes <laughs> so sweet that's you, you might have to we might have to podcast about that when it's over. <laughs> you should sounds, live stream your It kind thing. of remem- <laughs> reminds me of that book, um, like one more. I don't even remember the title of it, but someone just keeps knocking on the door and she keeps giving out cookies. Oh, yeah. The doorbell rang. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> another person. Another person. That's awesome. Did you decide on a time? Because I know that was. Yes. Uh... <laughs> we're going to do it at three o'clock. So anybody out there who needs a place for <laughs> Thanksgiving. Wow. Careful there. <laughs> All right. Well, all right. They won't get this. They won't hear this till after Thanksgiving. All right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that was our. That's that's what we sat out to talk about. So we talked about it. We did, and I was reading something on Twitter about people who like podcasts that are shorter sometimes too. So this is math before breakfast. Sometimes our episodes are a little shorter. Yeah. Um, let's talk about left. Uh, not leftovers. Let's talk about takeaways. <laughs> let's talk about leftovers. Talk, My yeah. favorite is when you reheat. No. So. It's got to be to know, to unpack the standard and to know what I'm looking for before I just break out into Google mm-hmm. um, or even Twitter or anywhere. I need to know specifically what I'm looking for. So where where are you going to go 
to <laughs> opening up a can of worms, but what is your resource not being a teacher who has to teach from the standards of learning? What's you, Virginia standards? What's your go-to resource to unpack your standard? So this is really throwing my administrator under the bus, but Oops. the standards, Dope. they haven't been written. Like I don't have them physically with me because it's still kind of a work in progress. And okay. it's that whole like these students haven't been taught this, what they were supposed to have been taught in fifth grade because we've changed the standards. So could you please fill in those holes or could you please know that they haven't been taught that? But could you also teach what they're going to need for next year for the seventh grade teacher. So I will use the um, VDOE site as well as the Common Core site and look at what they have okay. to say about that and know that that's where we pull our standards from. Mm -hmm. As um, private school, we use NCTM and we use Common Core and we use um, Virginia SOLs. And Really, our standards are the same with the exception of the placement of them. And so I'll go to those places because mm -hmm. it's not typed out and written in front of me. Um, it probably it will be next year. And that's where that stuff will come from, because she'll do that work of unpacking that standard and placing it in that spot. It's just not there now. Yeah. For those of you who are not in Virginia, we'll, I will link you straight to the page where you can get it. But if you click on what's called the curriculum framework, if you're looking for a place that would help you unpack the standard, if you click on the curriculum framework for your grade level, um, there's it's a three-column document. And the left-hand side, or maybe it's a two-column now, but anyway, the on the left-hand side is like the um, teacher information. And that's where I think if you're going to really unpack a standard – I'm trying to get to what it's called. It's called the understanding the standard. <laughs> Imagine. Um, understanding the standard side really is what I think you've got to walk through to really get it, or at least as a starting point. So that's a helpful place if you don't have a place to go to for that. So my takeaway, I didn't have one ready. Um, I think my takeaway it's really what I heard from Hillary Kreisberg, which is to think about, like, kind of like you said, what are you looking for in a task? Set out and tell yourself you're only going to look at a few places, you know, a set number of places, and then make some decisions after that if you don't find what you need, which is either change what you're looking for um, or make something yourself that matches what you are looking for. Um and my other two takeaways are to finish that podcast that I started and also read that snippet of the book from Thanks um, <laughs> from Stenhouse that it, called Math Exchanges that I want to learn more about because I think it's right up the alley of what I was learning last week. All right, Ruth, are we going to see you on a run the next two days? Are you running the turkey trot? I have to ask. No, you're probably not since you're having guests over, right? Probably shouldn't run the turkey trot when you got to make the turkey. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Last year, remember what we were doing on Thanksgiving morning? Right. We were um, taking pictures at the finish line of the um, turkey trot. The turkey trot. Freezing cold. Um, Are you doing pictures again at the turkey trot? I am. I just remember us like stomping just to keep our feet warm right like <laughs> um and shaking taking putting the camera down like shaking our hands trying to get the blood back down right because we were holding it for so long i got a lot of respect for you that day like wow yeah this isn't as easy as it seems yeah 
headset. But so, yeah. Jay will be out there. No, he's got a professional team this year. <laughs> he's hired real photographers. We were just stand-ins that first year, I have to say. You got anything else to say about that? <laughs> no, I think you have sufficiently <laughs> insulted me this morning. On oh, that's not insulting. <laughs> no. I think no, it's I great. It's you have insulting. real people. Yeah. yeah, It made me sound bad for calling you... I don't know. Stand-ins. I didn't say that. That's oh, what she said. Uh, that's mm-hmm. what we said. We totally knew we were stand-ins. <laughs> we were. Yeah. We were helping you establish yourself, and you made our pictures look good. And yeah. boom, yeah. now you have a professional boom. team. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, well I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a fun. And even if it's cold, we're going to have a great morning. And raining. I didn't say raining. Oh, the meteorologist said raining. Really? Yeah, well. Yikes! It's still four days away. Okay. Nobody yeah. can know that Probability, much. right? That's a- right. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll see you Tuesday and Wednesday, but not Thursday. Okay. All right.